I'm a humanist. We're better. I'll eat anything on the planet to stay alive. I'm okay with that. Would you eat a human? Absolutely. A vegan. Hi, my name is Aggie, and this is Biohacking Bestie. The one-stop shop for a modern queen where you can find biohacking courses, self-growth courses, and where you can find the most incredible community of women so you can hit all of your biohacking goals and beyond. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I am so freaking nervous because I have Dave Rust right in front of me, which is a proof that dreams do come true. And in every biohacker's life, there's going to come a moment where you're going to come across Dave's work, maybe because he freaking created the whole concept of biohacking. And it's not going to take you that long, probably five minutes to realize that Dave is the man. Dave Asprey, thank you for changing my life. Aw. Thank you for helping me heal and... Thank you for giving me permission to take ownership of my health. You always had permission. You just didn't know it. Yeah. Yeah. You really, really changed my life. And I even talked about you with my therapist because I was just trying to figure out, like, what is it that I love about you as a person? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're already straight into love, you know, a confessing love. <laughs> but I realized that it's not even, like, your wisdom. It is your courage to live life on your own terms which is so rare these days just like pulling information and questioning it and then just realizing wow can i just make my own decision about myself and my own health and that is really rare these days and super admirable and and i don't want to make you any more uncomfortable so i'm gonna stop (laughs) i'm totally comfortable it's the set that we just came up with that's very comfortable uh we're here to talk about your book how many books have you written so far eight eight so this is book number eight smarter not harder all about how to get all the results we really want without putting that much work because it should not be that difficult my first question to you is how on earth can someone write eight books because i'm writing my second one and it's such a pain in the ass and it's so much work so how do you get so much done one of the principles in, in Smarter Not Harder is that our, our bodies, I call it our meat operating system, it's automatically wired to make thinking shortcuts and to make you want to do certain things. And so we've taught ourselves, because our, our bodies, they, they like to save energy. Like mm-hmm. That's where laziness comes from, is your body trying to not starve to death. So to counteract that, we go, we have to work really hard. And that that's what gets results the reality is that working hard does not get results Mm. and that makes some people really mad some people listening right now got triggered when i said that they're like who's this guy think he is i did build a hundred million dollar a year business from scratch mic drop Uh, and (laughs) 300 million downloads on the podcast and all those it's not because i work hard i do work hard it's because i have the right tools i have the right methods because working hard that means you know i could have used a dump truck but i used a wheelbarrow Mm. But because working hard is, is actually supposed to give you moral virtue. Yeah. And it's it a hard way. It's glorified these days, right? Like if yeah. you say, I don't really work, like working hard. It's like, oh, you're so lazy. And that's like almost like the biggest offense these days. Laziness has driven all of human progress. There was a guy who's like, I don't want to walk there. So I think I'll ride a horse. And then there's a guy who said, I hate shoveling horse poop. I think I'll build a car. And the guy said, that's too slow. I'll take an airplane. Like it, all those people were lazy, right? And I'm just saying the reason that I've written eight books is because I'm lazier than you, not because I'm smarter, <laughs> not because I'm, you know, somehow gifted. Same thing. Like I, I'm looking reasonably fit. I'm about, pretty fit. I'm about 8% You're body fat. Right. And I have abs. I work out 15 minutes a week and it makes people who work out all the time really mad. I'm like, okay, you can do stuff, whatever you think. But I used to work out. In fact, the reason I wrote Smarter Not Harder, I worked out 702 hours, Aggie. Well, uh, and that was back in the day when you were obese. Can 300 pounds, yeah. yeah. I did, no, but I, I don't think you can. I identify as being triggered. So, no, no, whatever you say is going to trigger me. So we could just make that easy. I, I was actually, That's also okay to be triggered. Like the people are like, I get so triggered. I'm like, good, this is part of life. You're going to get triggered. It's feedback for you to like do something about your life. Well, if, if you get triggered, it means there's something in your gun and maybe you should do something about that. Yeah, so it's like, great. It's a gift. You're welcome. <laughs> so, no, you can't, you can't say I was obese because I was actually fat. I wasn't just obese. 
There. <laughs> okay. And so when you were a fan. I have the stretch marks to prove it. I tell you, the, the inner voice uh, in my head at that time was not using the word obese. <laughs> it was using the word fat. Of course yeah. it was. You know what? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny because it's like sometimes you really have to call the spade a spade to just mm-hmm. make the change. And so you work in Silicon Valley, you're crushing, you're sitting in the office working on these big computer operating systems and you are failing your own meat OS, your own operating system. I actually was triggered quite a lot back then. I had a lot of anxiety that I didn't even know was anxiety because it was just always there. And that's just how the world is. And I had a lot of pain in my body too. Like my back always hurt, my knees always hurt. I had arthritis since I was 14, like all these health things. And I was kind of okay with all that. But then when my brain started to go and all of a sudden I'm thinking, I don't know that I'd hire myself. I had this phenomenally successful career. I'm in my mid twenties and I'm attending board meetings of a $36 billion market value company. And like, it's so exciting, but I'm so tired. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the day, I'm just beat. And as soon as I would drive home, I couldn't remember the commute home. I was just so tired. And then I would study whatever health stuff I could think of that might give me more energy. And then I would just fall asleep and then wake up. And but it was back in the day, because I don't know how long you've been doing it for, but I actually found my one of my very first YouTube videos from 2016 when I say, this is how you make a bulletproof coffee. Nice. <laughs> so super cute. It's been a while for me, actually. And I want to get to that in a second. But the biggest mistake I made, I was like, Sure, I can make a couple of things different and still have the same result, mm-hmm. which is not the case, a spoiler alert. But let's get back to you and you young, you feel like life being difficult and just being uncomfortable in our bodies is part of the deal of being on this planet. And then you somehow tried to pull different research together, which wasn't super mainstream because mainstream would tell you go vegan, raw vegan. I, I tried all the mainstream stuff. I, I really did. I mean, I went to the doctor. I'm like, I don't know, fix me. And he said, maybe you should try to lose weight. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, no shit. How? Yeah. I'm like, like I worked out, you know, 90 minutes a day, six days a week. And I did that reliably for 18 months. And I went on a low fat, low calorie diet. And he looks at me like I'm lying. And then I think about it. I'm like, wait, my doctor's fat too. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But also, isn't it funny that when we look at obese people, we think or assume that they're lazy? I mean, 80% of people are obese now. (laughs) Yeah. And then we feel like, oh, they must be lazy. But at the end of the day, we realize they actually, these are the people that work the hardest on staying thin. Fat people are willpower athletes. They have less energy because... When energy comes into the body, if it goes into storing fat or inflammation, it's not going into thinking and wanting and desire and action. So we're running on a limited budget and we're spending a lot of that budget on trying to lose weight and doing it in ways that actually reduce energy instead of increase it. So for me, writing the Bulletproof Diet, which has helped people lose millions of pounds and and really was the first mainstream book that talked about intermittent fasting and talked about lectins and talked about clean fats and ketosis. It was not the first. The first mainstream ketosis book was written the year I was born. Um, (laughs) Dr. Atkins. But also you were the first person, I still barely see it in any book that comes out. How you prepare the food is so important. I think it's like overcooking you were like the first person that like stop frying things stop like doing things on full high heat right like sous vide steam go slow and i'm like what i've never heard that before it's actually kind of irritating some people say well you're a perfectionist i'm not i just want to work so (laughs) you know i actually grilled steaks pretty frequently i know it's not as good as the other ways i just haven't really had i moved to austin uh, so <laughs> now I'm in Canada and Austin. And so when I'm there, I'm like, you know, I'll just throw it on it's the ground. Like, it's like, a yeah. 20% principle. Right. And, and it's working. But if it was starting to cause problems, I wouldn't. So just knowing what's best and then say, well, I had two choices and I like them both. Why don't I pick the one that's easier? That works. But then I wanted to write Smarter Not Harder because no one's really talked about exercise truthfully. Here's what really happens. There's about a third of a second when your body gets to confuse your reality and then your brain gets a signal from the world around you. And that's the basis of smarter, not harder. So when I clap my hands, you hear it right away, right? In reality, if we wired electrodes from my neuroscience company, it's called 40 Years of Zen, we wire those up to your brain 
your body's going to get the signal. It's going to hold on to the signal. And it's going to let your brain have the first electrical wiggle that there was a sound a third of a second later. During that time, the body's deciding, should I even show her this signal? Or is it something that just doesn't matter? Was it a threat? And it's doing all this stuff. And then it's going to package it up neatly. And it's going to show it to you with the context of your body. So your body filters reality for you. And we can prove so it. So interesting. Yeah. So if, for example, I've been to war and any sort of loud clap would mean for me that I'm in danger, I would probably freak out versus yeah. someone who's relaxed or is used to attention and just love the clapping. I'll be like, yeah, this is great. So. Totally. <laughs> right. And we like to think that's in our brain. It's actually in our body. And I prove it over and over in Smarter Not Harder. I'm saying, okay, there's an invisible system that controls how you see reality. That sucks. And certainly when I'm doing advanced neurofeedback with clients, we see that over and over that you can change how your body perceives reality. Understanding that means that there's nothing wrong with you. If you present a normal person with a chance to go to the gym and sweat like in spandex with someone yelling at you at a spin class, and here's like a beautiful couch and there's, you know, pizza and ice cream and Netflix. Okay. Now, Everyone knows your body's going to be like, couch, right? Yeah. You're going to feel that desire. But then most of us are going to feel shame because we know we should want to exercise. So I'm here to free you from that. No, actually, you shouldn't want to exercise. It turns out exercise is the opposite of what 2 billion years of evolution has taught our bodies to do. Yeah. Because exercise means you'll burn energy and there might not be food later. So it's natural to want to be lazy. Yeah, and also all the blue zones, people living the longest on this planet do not go to the gym. And I would like to ignore that part of the research, but it's kind of hard when it's so obvious. Yeah, and they don't also have like intense workouts even, but they're in reasonably good shape. But they also drink and smoke. And there's also other blue zones where they eat huge amounts of meat. Yeah. And so like there's questions in my mind about like how many commonalities we can get without looking for causative pathways there. Um, I like Dan's work. So when you look at that laziness thing, we feel guilty because we wanted the couch and we think we should want this. No, let's just be honest. Our bodies will always want that kind of thing and that's okay. So how do you give your body what it wants and get you what you want? Well, one thing you could do is you could say, I'm just gonna use willpower. I'm gonna say no to the foods that I think are unhealthy. You might be wrong. And then I'm going to make myself exercise more than my body wants to. Now, the body will understand what you're doing, except your body is really dumb. It's fast, but it doesn't understand even that you're in there. Really. It just knows it has to keep itself alive. So your body's Which just- is actually quite smart what you think about it, yeah. right? Like it's like, it's almost smarter than you do because it's like, I actually know better and I have all that inflammation that I need to take care of. I'm not going to start burning calories because I might need the calories to survive. I'm running on fumes and, mm -hmm. and whatnot, right? And then we have things like chronic fatigue that can come out of that. So I see a lot of women, we're taught, okay, exercise more, eat less. That makes you a good and moral person and that's how you lose weight. And when it doesn't work, or maybe it works for a little while, but they're tired and they're angry and their hormones are off and their hair is getting thin. Yeah, yeah, been there. It's so common. And what you end up realizing is that your body gets a signal if you exercise all the time that a tiger is chasing you, but it never stops. So it means you're being hunted and you're being hunted most of the time. So all your stress things get turned on. Now, if you could send it a signal that said something almost caught me, but I was fast enough to get away yeah. and now I'm chill. It's the hormesis, right? The, the idea of like controlled stress that ends and our body has a chance to recover. Right. It is. In Smarter Not Harder, I'm talking about very specific ways of controlling how quickly stress comes on and how quickly it turns off. And one of the examples in there shows that you could do cardio for an hour a day, five days a week. You do that for two months straight. Okay, this is going to beat you up. That's a lot of cardio. That's telling your body that for an hour a day, there's wolves hunting you. So you've chosen to go because you're a good moral person to the five day a week spin class and you're sweaty at the end of it and you're out of breath and you actually pedaled because you knew that if you stopped pedaling, everyone would make fun of you because you'd be like the one weak person in class. So you use you know, shaming and social convention to overcome your body's innate desire to not be in that spin class. And after two months of that, you have a 2% improvement in your cardiovascular <laughs> fitness, <laughs> uh, VO2 max. Yikes, okay. 
well, at least you improved. Now you're tired and you know, your monthly cycle's off a little bit, but okay, maybe you lost a little bit of weight and you're really sweaty, so you know that you did it right. Or you could go to Upgrade Labs. There's a couple of those in town. We're opening these across the country. You can go to ownandupgradelabs.com. And there we have AI-driven equipment. I write about it in Smarter Harder. I tell you to do it at home as well. And you could do five minutes three times a week of the kind of exercise I'm talking about. No sweating allowed or required. And you'll get a 12% improvement. Six times better results in 15 minutes a week instead of five hours a week. Mm. That's the power of biohacking. So I don't want anyone listening to your show to go to the gym for one more minute than is necessary because it's a waste of time. Yeah. And on average, I think it's like a, such a, first of all, I know you always talk about women and I do appreciate it, but I think there is, has to be even more biohacking knowledge applied to women. So like on average, we actually have four hours of unpaid work every day like the chores and you know shopping and kids and whatnot and so we not only work harder we also have this stigma around eating fat and eating until we're full and you know i think women especially do the most ridiculous kind of exercises that have like just no resistance whatsoever right they're like whatever the zumba classes or you know like it's neither burning your fat nor building muscle and i think we're afraid of lifting weights. We're afraid of eating normal food. We're snacking because we feel like if I eat like a bird, then it's more feminine. If I, I, I thought that, like I was like embarrassed to eat a steak because I was so, like. So I'll just be straightforward. The hottest women lift weights and eat steak. Yeah. And, and that is. Did we get that on camera? <laughs> uh, and, and, and they might not tell you they do it, but yeah. they do. No, unless you're into like the anorexic look, in which case maybe not. Yeah, but. but it was for me, it was really hard mentally to switch. I remember in 2020 when I was like leaving the vegan diet. And again, one of the things that you taught me that, you know, being fit is meant to be easy. And I thought it's meant to be painful. And you said, no, if you are fasting and your stomach hurts and you're struggling, then you don't have metabolic flexibility. I'm like, oh, so it's not meant to feel like dying when I go eat breakfast? Because <laughs> that was like the thing for me, right? I was like miserable. It's a sign that something's wrong yes. when you can't do that. So then you adjust things until you can. And I just want to make sure that your listeners know I was a devout raw vegan. I've been on every kind of diet. And the reason I came out with a Bulletproof diet in 2011 when I started blogging was that I finally found something that worked, not just for me, but for a lot of people. And the people who would do what the doctor said and and they wouldn't lose weight and then they would feel like it was their fault and then the doctor would say i know you're sneaking a snickers bar no you're not trying hard enough yeah yeah it, it, there's a lot of people and millions of people who are stuck there and then they succeed in dieting for a little while because they're tired all the time and they're exhausted and they feel like crap and like well i'm just going to get to a certain weight and of course as soon as that's done you're going to eat a bunch of English muffins or whatever your thing is, and you're going to gain the weight back. So I didn't lose a hundred pounds. I've lost at least 200 pounds because I lose 20 pounds when I'm 16 and then you gain 30 and then you lose 30 and gain 40 and you yo-yo. Yeah. I have been under 12% body fat for years after, or I'd say in the course of writing smarter, not harder, I actually had 7% body fat. And it wasn't because I was working harder. I, I, like I said, I'm like 15, 20 minutes a week of, of exercise in total. It was just because I was playing around with, with nutrients and specifically with minerals, which is a big part of what I write about. So when I got more of my better signals into my body and I had more of the raw materials available, my body became so lean that I had to start eating more carbs because I'm not on a zero carb or a low carb yeah. diet anyway. Yeah. I eat carbs almost every day. But I said, God, I, I need to eat like another couple of cups of rice or something because I'm so lean that it's not healthy. Getting under 8%, you, know, you start yeah, it's like increasing it's, risk. Yeah. And I'm a 300 pound computer hacker. Like I have stretch marks. Like the odds of me looking like this when I'm on my tests, they say I'm about 39. But when you look at the calendar, it says I'm I'm 50. And I'm like, I'm actually suing the calendar now because it, I identify, I identify as 39 and it doesn't recognize that properly. So I'm very triggered right now. I don't feel safe. Can you make this a safe space? (laughs) My God. It's like, 
I just want to get to a level. And it's like, if it's not even about the 8%, because I, I think I would want to stay at 12, 13. Please don't go below that. Yeah. Women should not no. be under 10%. It's unhealthy. Yeah, and it, you look I really be, nice. Yeah. Like, you look healthy. But I also want to get to this level of no f***s given that you <laughs> fully live in. And I think that if that's a testament to biohacking, that would be amazing. Because it's just like... We just stress so much about what people think. Mm-hmm. I do. I mean, I'm trying to keep it cool, but I still, it comes up in different situations. And how do you get to that level of not giving a fuck? <laughs> so there's, there's a couple of things to it. Uh, and you've seen my new Danger Coffee brand, right? Yeah. So it's called Danger because there's two kinds of, of peace you can have in the world. One kind of peace Everyone is is so tired. They're eating crickets and soybeans, and they're just so tired and so controlled and beat down that they're peaceful because they can't get off. That they can't get up and do anything. And the other kind of peace is when everyone has so much energy they could do whatever they want, and that's inherently dangerous. Like who knows what you might do? You know, you might help the little lady across the street. Yeah, you you might be unprogrammable. Uh, you might be nice to people because you chose to be nice to people. And you might also be able to stop douchebags from doing bad things. So that's the kind of energy that I'm working to bring into the world. That's literally why it's called danger coffee. Because who knows what you might do? I'm going to bet on you doing the right thing. Right? So what's different about danger coffee? It has large amounts of trace minerals in it. And it's clean coffee. And in Smarter Not Harder, I'm like, look, the least sexy supplements you're ever going to take are minerals. Mm, so these are the sexiest actually for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> minerals 101. But like to be honest, like let's just talk about minerals because like okay. a lot of women are on the pill. They're like 60% of them are not even meant to be on a pill. They just do it just to keep their period Can, not ha- from happening until re-depletes your minerals. Guys, if you're on the so, pill and you're listening to this right now, please stop. Just stop taking the pill. The pill was not created to set you free. It was not created to make you healthy. It was created to make you a better worker so that people could make more money off of you burning out your health. Birth control is a fundamental human right. Chemically induced hormonal birth control for women is a crime against women, and it's time to stop. There. Should I give any more fucks? (laughs) No, I love it. I'm just like... This is great. I love, just like no filter. This is <laughs> everything I want to say, but I don't have the balls yet or the vagina. Well, let, let's talk about, hey, people with vaginas can have balls and vice versa. <laughs> so here's the deal. So what are minerals? Because I think we, okay, we hear vitamins, yeah. we hear other things. Like nootropics have like, you know, the buzzword and minerals are kind of like, oh. They're what? boring. Yeah. They're the least sexy supplement, except for these ones. By the way, if you go to vitamin dake vitamin d-a-k-e.com that's where that's where you can find all this stuff and this is uh, my my newest supplement company that's part of upgrade labs but the reason minerals are so important is that when you get a signal into your body to make it do something like say you lift something right mm-hmm. or you run or you meditate or you sleep the body's going to say oh based on this signal now i've got to build something i've got to create something whether it's creating energy creating sex hormones creating melatonin all that stuff except if you don't have minerals that are the building blocks for enzymes it just can't do it and then that creates a state of anxiety in the body now the cells in your body are going i needed to do something i didn't have raw materials now i'm stressed and then they pass that stress on to you and a lot of people are walking around going, I'm so anxious, I'm so stressed, I have anxiety. I'm like, no, you don't. You have mineral insufficiency. You don't have the raw materials for your body to respond to the world you live in, so your body's sending you an alarm signal that basically says, eat some liver already, eat some minerals already, and it's not telling you to eat kale. And the Kale Marketing Association spent $6 million to convince you that kale is full of minerals that are good for you. No, kale is not good for you. It'll steal your minerals too. And so your stupid oat milk while we're at it. There, I said it. You did say it. Yeah. <laughs> I always feel like the kale camp, the vegan camp, and the oat milk camp are like the most aggressive. So you really just went for it from me. It's, it's okay. They're aggressive because both kale and oats will steal minerals from your body via different mechanisms. They're actually anxious and we should feel compassion and a little bit of pity for them because they've chosen to put themselves in that sort of plant-based prison. It's, it's Honestly, it's like I have compassion because it's like there is a level of, I would feel angry if I listen to people who I'm supposed to trust, right? Doctors and, you know, growing up with my parents, a doctor was, you know, 
God, it was a pr- whatever, you know, right. Poland. And so doctors say like this is better, avoid cow's milk. Of course, we do want to avoid like traditional, you know, pasteurized, homogenized, fried, grilled milk. But at the same time, like oat milk is not a solution. So when you find out from people like yourself that, you know, oat milk after all is almost worse because it's seed oils and, you know, glucose spikes and basically Coca-Cola and McDonald's put together. And yeah, two. but with less protein, I mean, less. <laughs> So even worse. And then it's like, I can understand that you get so angry to the point of like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. so I can feel the anger too. You know, I used to drink oat milk for sure. Cause I was just like, oh, it's delicious. And it's not dairy. I used to use liquid margarine instead of butter because they told me it was healthier. Mm. I, I mean, we've all been misled um, by big food companies. Yeah, it's great to feel angry because that will propel you to make a change. So yeah. if you just felt angry, that's, I'm happy because that's a normal reaction. They're probably angry at me. And, and if, <laughs> in that case, here's what I want you to do. You go to Instagram, Dave.Asprey, and then you should leave a mean comment for me, right? Because it'll drive up engagement. So if you could just do that, Dave.Asprey, just look for anything, hashtag vegan, and, and that'll be totally good, all right? Did you see how I like put on my LA voice when I did that? Like, hashtag vegan. <laughs> because remember, I was a devout raw vegan. I could juice more than you. My vegan desserts rock. They just give you kidney stones like yours do. So there's that. But anyway, they taste really good. And I felt very good about myself. And then I talk, can we talk about deaths per calories since this right here? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. What is that? You don't know? This is a big, okay. So when I was that raw vegan guy, time. I decided I was going to go to Tibet and I was going to go to Southeast Asia and I was going to learn meditation from the masters. And I did. I was in monasteries and I went to a very remote part of uh, Tibet, Mount Kailash. And this is actually where I had my first yak butter tea that led me to create a bulletproof coffee. But along the way, we stopped at a monastery and the Tibetans love to debate. So they'll have these really spirited, like almost, it looks like arguing. In fact, one of their practices, they'll take an eight-year-old and sit him on the ground, surrounded by like 10 older kids who are all arguing with this one eight-year-old and like making aggressive hand gestures so they can learn to be calm and just hold their thoughts. Oh, no right, so it's like stress training so that you don't care. That, that's the no f- given kind of mindset. Oh, that's amazing. Well, there's a, a yak skin on a prayer pole. And I go up to the head llama. I go, all right, man. You say no killing. I just did 10 days of meditation with you guys, but you killed a yak and you put its skin on your prayer pole. You're a hypocrite. And he totally starts laughing and he goes, one death feeds everyone. And I thought about this when I came back to Silicon Valley. So you have to look at how many things died for you to have your plant-based meal. And as a small farmer, as a guy who has a regenerative farm in Canada, when a tractor goes through a field, full of corn or soy, which is what your impossible whatevers are made out of, or your oat milk and all that stuff. If it's still not just sterilized farmland, there'll be salamanders, turtles, bunnies, mice, shrew, butterflies, ladybugs, and all the other ugly ones you don't want to think about. Yeah, skunks. A lot of sexy, um, yeah. very selective dogs. Don't kill everybody yeah. else. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. But they get chopped up by the tractor and then birds come through and just eat all the animal carcasses that powered your oat milk. Uh-oh. So, Oopsies. in another version of reality, you could do what I do, which is I raise grass-fed cows and sheep and pigs that don't just eat grass, they eat a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but, hmm, unless the cow stepped on a frog and that cow eats grass, nothing dies in the creation of that cow. And that cow, if I eat a pound of meat a day, It's going to last me for probably a year and a half. So my deaths per calorie from eating ribeye is 0.001 deaths from my ribeye. And your stupid oat milk has a thousand dead creatures who died for the making of your animal safe, stupid beverage that gives you diabetes and steals minerals from your bones. So can we just stop? But this is how Dave like blocks my account on Instagram. <laughs> Just like <laughs> no one's gonna block you for this. They can't flag you for this. What did I say? I said everything truthful. No, I didn't even. Th- t- this is my medicine. I was like, how do we not give a? F-? This is how you not give. I, a f-. I didn't even talk about being vicarious. That'll get you blocked. 
great. All right. So you can edit that. Yeah. No, no, I love it. I genuinely love it. This is great. But like, I think that was another the story actually. And I, I now remember because it's the very reason why I started eating meat, like put things into perspective for me, how selective we are about like, oh, you know, people in Asia, savages, they eat dogs. And I'm like, well, there's still animals. And yes, we feel like dogs are, you know, our pets and it does trigger me as well. But at the same time, if you're fair, all life should be equal to you. Right. And so, like you said, how many deaths per per meal. I, I actually don't believe all life should be equal to us. We're humans. We kick ass. I'm a humanist. We're better. I'll eat anything on the planet to stay alive. I'm okay with that. Would you eat a human? Absolutely. A vegan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. No. <laughs> but I mean, I, we need- would I? Yes. If, if it was the end of the world or things were really starving. Yeah. And people that would. say that they wouldn't, I guarantee they haven't been hungry. I sailed across the Pacific we ran out of food. It was supposed to take me three weeks from Mexico to the first island, which is Nukuhiva. It took me 59 days. I ate rice, boiled and salt, like ocean water, because mm-hmm. we didn't have enough rice. And people were like, oh no, like I would never do that. I'm like, you have no fucking idea what hunger is. Mm-hmm. You have no perspective. And there, there's another thing too. So I, I've I've done shamanic training. I do a lot of energy work. My 40 years of Zen is like a, it's, it's a digital, you know, brain training thing, but people have really profound experiences there, like, like similar to plant medicine. And I've done ayahuasca in the jungle. I know. I want to ask you, I wasn't sure if you feel comfortable sharing. Sure. I, I talk about all that stuff. So it, here's the deal. When I eat an animal, especially grass fed, which is what I eat the vast majority of the time, um, I understand the desperate calorie thing, but you still have gratitude for the animal. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it, it's not like if it was the end of the world and there's zombies outside or something and there's nothing left to eat. Yes, I would eat a human or I would eat a dog or a cat. Probably eat the cat first because they're not as nice as dogs. By the way, that will get you haters way more than vegans. Cat people are more aggressive than really? vegans. It's toxoplasmosis that causes that. That's my theory. There. <laughs> no, I'm just being a troublemaker. I like cats. I like dogs. I like people. I don't want to eat any of them. No, I love but, it. I love it. Uh, would I to survive? Absolutely. Yeah. And and so I think it's important to acknowledge the people who are telling you that humans are the same as all the other animals. These are very, very disturbed people. And they come from World War II trauma. Do you know about this? No. So, Do I want to know about this? I think so. <laughs> are we ready? The founder of PETA oh, was God. exposed to concentration camp. Uh, conditions in World War II and was really traumatized as is appropriate because all humans who are through that are. He came out and saw a slaughterhouse and it triggered him because he hadn't done his trauma healing. And because it triggered him, he said, I can never eat an animal again. And he started this organization based on his trauma. His daughter has come on my podcast. No. And his daughter got so sick on the vegan diet that was forced on her by her family that she had to hide that she was eating meat. And now she's completely out of the closet and she eats grass-fed meat because it was the only thing that would keep her alive after starving on a vegan diet. And she tells on my show exactly how PETA got started. This was a guy who was deeply traumatized, was trying to do the right thing. He was doing it from a state of being triggered, not from a state of being dangerous. I also think that it's like, especially true for women, because I think what keeps women small is guilt. It's like, if you can cause enough guilt in a woman, you're going to be able to do her whatever she wants. And we're driven by guilt, unfortunately, more so than men. I think you're judging men here. <laughs> you think that we don't feel guilt and shame? So, so You do? I, I just feel like, I think like, like the mom guilt and like the constantly, I don't know. I just it, There's maybe. different flavors. So I've had 1,500 high-end entrepreneurs come through my neuroscience program. We spent five days with them, and we go through the stuff and edit those thoughts in their brains with computers. Right, so I know the voices in the head. I turn mine off, but there's guilt is about something you've done. It's about a behavior, and you can correct guilt by apologizing, making it right. But guilt usually in men and women turns into shame, and shame is about something you are. Right, so men and women both experience shame, and it's a primary driver of what we do. And there's the I am not enough thing. You know how many entrepreneurs have come through my program and said the reason I'm successful, I didn't know this until now, is that I was just trying to prove I was good enough to the bullies in seventh grade. Yeah. And the guys have that too. And we might be shamed over different things, but it's a You might be so deep into like being 
not comfortable sharing your emotions that it's it's even less obvious for you because men are meant to pretend like everything's okay and oh yeah we'll, we'll sit there and tell you everything's fine even when there's like an absolute chaos yeah like i remember many many years ago um when i was going through uh, i was married briefly in my my 20s and same i went to my boss uh, at the time i said look i need to take 10 days off and he goes, what the hell? Like next week? Like this is unacceptable. You don't do that in Silicon Valley or anywhere else, you know? And and I said, look, I'm I'm getting divorced. And he just sat down. He goes, what? He goes, you didn't change anything. You didn't you didn't say anything. You didn't show anything. And he was he was like, of course, take the time off. But I was like dealing with the shame thing. So you just don't show it when you're a guy. So no one knew all the stuff I was going through. So um, which is like internalizing makes it even yeah, worse for your body. It does, right? And, and so. Yeah, guys, guys will do that too. And it's really important to understand it. Shame is a way of, of making men or women do things. It's a control system yeah. that's put in place largely by the marketing and governments and teachers and schools and religions. So you want to be unprogrammable like that if you want to be dangerous. Have enough energy. That's your first step. Yes. And when you have enough energy, then you can look in at yourself and ask yourself like the Brene Brown kind of question. Is it true? And almost everything you believe has been conditioned by your body telling you it's true so you go through and you edit that and there's a variety of ways but they all revolve around the last two chapters of the book which is the part about spiritual biohacking and the part about hacking meditation so i love that you actually included that because i think i started with life coaching last year and i got very quickly to the point i'm like oh my god like i need to start with biohacking or biology first because i can tell you all the like hacks into how to become a better person but if the biology isn't there there isn't enough willpower and it's not meant mm-hmm. to be about willpower power so i would like jam on calls with women they're like okay like this is all great but i'm just like exhausted and i'm like oh fuck. <laughs> and so it's like okay and i really didn't even want to talk about biohacking i mean I've, I've lived it for the last six years but i was like okay i think i need to like spread the awareness more about biohacking and which is what what is wild to me that my audience still up up until this day like what is biohacking again what is it and it's like taking ownership of your life to mm-hmm. so you can optimize your body so it's not the end goal the end goal live your best life but you need to have the energy and so i had to take a step back and start mm-hmm. talking about all these things because i couldn't you can't just motivate people you have to just heal them first if you want to have energy to evolve you have to have energy And people say, I want to evolve without energy and I'm going to keep doing the vegan thing. I'm going to keep under eating and over training because I have this fear that if I don't, no one will love me. That's what that fear is. And the bottom line is people will love you no matter what shape your body is. That's just how it works. But will you love yourself actually? Um, Well, that's your job. Maybe you should have enough energy to do that. Yeah. (laughs) So it's so true. And so it was so funny because I was like, someone who had enough energy i just found it super unrelatable when i was just like just do these things what do you mean you don't have energy or what does it mean you don't you can't focus and then i went back to like okay back to the basics back to like the minerals back to getting off birth control back to like taking ownership of your health and then slowly getting to spirituality i have a couple more questions so question number one of the 20th question i've already answered uh, you uh, ask um if you had a best friend, a female friend, and she's, you know, low energy, because I think everyone would love to, like every human would love to be friends with you and just being able to pick up the phone is like, hey, what do you think the issue is? But it's just imagine um, someone's watching this and I don't know, your best friend, we just got to meet each other and I have 30 pounds to lose and I, I'm feeling overwhelmed and anxious a little bit like tired and burned out like where how would you start biohacking me i would say step away from the oat milk (laughs) okay not really what i would do if you were a woman going through this yeah and i provide advice to lots of women um, all the time there's two hormones that are almost always off in a case like that and usually they're eating the wrong food. So I'm going to give them the one page handout from the Bulletproof Diet. It's daveasprey.com slash roadmap. It's free. It's like the entire book on a page. So here's what to eat. Here's what not to eat. Okay. So something like that. So look, eat the good fats. Don't eat the bad fats. Eat less grains and stuff that seals your minerals. Maybe pick up the vitamin dake and the mineral 101 thing. Vitamindake.com is where you get that. But 
I'm going to say order two lab tests. Mm -hmm. One of them is for thyroid hormone. And thyroid hormone is what gives you energy. It's the thermostat. So when someone has 30 extra pounds of body weight, it, there's a very good chance their thyroid is too low. And when you take thyroid medication, and there's natural forms of that, magically you get your energy back and you start to lose weight because you turned your thermostat back up. And your thyroid can be off because of toxins. It can be off because of birth control pills. Yeah. It can be off because you don't have enough minerals. Who would have thought, right? So that's something that's really important. I had almost undetectable thyroid when I was 26. And when I got it back, I was like, wow, my brain fog is so much better. So that's number one for energy. But there's something else in there. It's desire. So what lets you transform your life is you have to have enough energy and you have to have enough desire. Well, if energy comes from thyroid hormone, where does desire come from? Desire comes from testosterone in men and women. So you get a sex hormone panel and an advanced thyroid panel, and you look at those results. If you're low on testosterone as a woman or as a man, you'll have less desire in the bedroom for sure, but that's not the kind of desire I'm talking about. This desire to do stuff that matters, desire to help other people, desire to evolve yourself. Wow. So you take that person and you say, take your thyroid pills in the morning, wait 20 minutes before you have coffee with it, because that'll block absorption, and then a couple times a week or whatever your doctor says, take your testosterone. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, it's just highly different doses of testosterone. And when you do that, all of a sudden you wake up in the morning going, God, I like my life. And I wanna do something that matters today and I have enough energy to do it. Wow, I didn't expect that answer. My guess would be that you would mention toxins because I know that even when you fast and so toxins get stored in the fat, sometimes it's hard to access the fat and whatnot. And so I know you have a great story with the toxins, but I think, yeah, it's super interesting about the hormones because I think at the end of the day, you need that desire to like, just be curious, right? Well, you won't have curiosity. Uh, you'll be that, that really Massive. scary form of peace where you're just too tired to do anything, right? Yeah. Maybe you can just get up and go to work and stumble home and pay your bills and then die early. I'm not gonna let that happen. I'm not gonna let that kind of world happen. So we're going to make everyone full of energy and full of power. And Maybe we can add testosterone to danger coffee. I would love that. I think it would metabolize in the liver, though. But uh, I will tell you, getting the trace minerals that are in danger coffee allows your body to better make testosterone and every other hormone you need to make because you must have minerals to make the stuff that makes you. And what's happening now is we've depleted the minerals in our soil because we've been farming on it for a long time. And then we spray it with glyphosate, which buys up the minerals. And then we eat foods that don't have minerals and we eat extra foods like oats and grains and even some nuts and seeds and kale that attach to minerals in your diet and steal it from you. And then we're walking around going, I wonder why my body isn't working right. And that's why you can go to vitamin dake, vitamin D-A-K-E.com. And there's two things you take there. One is Minerals 101, which is all the big minerals you need, and vitamin Dake is D-A-K and E that drives minerals into the cells where they go. And then you drink your danger coffee that has all the other trace minerals that people don't even know how to spell, like molybdenum, which I probably am pronouncing wrong. <laughs> but it's, it's super interesting to realize, like I said, like up until the moment I read your book, I didn't realize how important minerals were. And then it totally makes sense how depleted the soil is. And then we expect a beautiful salad to be full of nutrients, but it's not, you know, because the soil, like what vegetables do, basically they suck up the nutrients from the soil. So if the soil is nutrients free <laughs> and there are no minerals, then it's just like you're eating basically cardboard with. Pretty much. And even if there are minerals in plants, the vast majority of plants won't give them to you without a fight. So people say, oh, spinach is high in iron. The iron is 1.7% absorbable because of the oxalic acid in the spinach. So the spinach is like, you can get my iron, sure. I'll take the zinc and the calcium out of your bones and I'll put it in your kidneys or maybe I'll put it in your vulva. It's called vulvodynia that's caused by high oxalic acid. So if you're eating six kale smoothies and salads a day and your vagina hurts and you have kidney stones and your joints hurt, maybe it's the kale. Or maybe not. Possibly. Okay, so and this is amazing. So I want to go back to spirituality because I love that you always manage to snuggle some spirituality into your books. The snuggle. I love <laughs> so that. that yeah, I snuggled it in. That's perfect. Oh, 
Oops. No, that was great. So in fastest way, you talked about like, you know, your journey into fasting and how it was a, a very spiritual journey. And so let's talk about if you feel comfortable about your spiritual journey. Sure. Because uh, I think it's all connected. And for me, it has been a great way to process my emotions that have been stored in my body that I didn't realize. Uh, but you also did warn me about not doing ayahuasca every two months. <laughs> so, <laughs> Did you take my warning? I did not because it was too last minute. But as I had a really hard journey, I was like, they've said that I'm going to go crazy. Maybe this is happening. I didn't right. say you were going to go crazy. You just said you're going to damage my brain. That it might, yeah. Daniel Amen would agree with that. Yeah. Um, I'm on Dr. Amen's board of directors and... Uh, I talked to them about ayahuasca. This is a guy who's done a quarter million brain scans and, yeah. and a leader in the field. And it's like, people's brains don't look very good after they do that. I'm like, ouch. ouch. So yeah, I would say that's the last plant medicine to try after you've tried all the others and they don't work. Like it, it's a high risk one. But in terms of spiritual journeys, I used to believe that we were pretty much meat robots. So I'm, I'm a Silicon Valley guy. Everything is rational. And from my perspective, and I'm maybe about 30, anything from the neck down is a waste of time unless it's <laughs> bleeding or it hurts. This is a very typical male perspective, especially oh, for, sex for okay. a guy. <laughs> yeah, that, that part is useful, right? But but generally, like there's a bunch of garbage down there, whatever, just don't deal with that. So I went to uh, this personal development retreat where we did holotropic breathing and a lot of just unusual transpersonal psychology types of things. I went there because a friend who I trusted said, you should just go to this. You just got divorced. Like you're, you're really highly stressed right now. So, um, just go, I'm not going to tell you what it is. Cause then you wouldn't go. So I've like, I've got nothing left to do. So I went and in there, this really, really wise uh, woman named Barbara Findeisen, who's the, the founder of the American pre and perinatal psychology association. Uh, she spots me walking in the door and she goes, tell me about your birth. And I go, like... So intense. It feels like these blue eyes, like, from Dune, the movie, like, glowing blue. And, and I'm like, I don't know, like, hospitals, vaginas, like, like I don't know, it's his birth. Like, and she said, do you know anything? I said, yeah, I had the cord wrapped around my neck. And she said, yeah, I thought so. I'm like, what do you mean you thought so? She said, well, there's, it, it affects your entire life. And I go, seriously? And then she, like, pulls out a little laptop with a PowerPoint on it. And she has like an analysis of all of like my hidden faults and weaknesses. And, and, and I'm like, I actually started crying and I'm not a guy who cries easily. And I was like, what, what just happened? And she, she said, look, this is science. We've been studying for 30 years, how the conditions of your birth and what happens in the womb affects personality development in adults. So I actually had PTSD around being choked with my umbilical cord. So I came into the world thinking that it was a hostile place and everything wanted to kill me. So my entire nervous system was set to like fight or flight all the time. And when that happens, and it happens a lot, I mean, C-sections are another way of having that uh, versus a natural Is it birth. just as jarring for a child as? Likely, yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's just, you can imagine just like you, someone opens the light yeah, there's there's stages. There's five stages you go through in birth. If you look at Stan Groff's work, who is the the leader of actually holotropic breathing, um, I interviewed Stan a couple times on my show. Did a, a breathwork event with him when he was in his nineties. So, what you'll find though it, is that that okay, you probably didn't have the birth you wanted unless you had like super hippie parents like me uh, and the mother of my children. So um, maybe there's some work to be done there. But I didn't know any of this when I walked in. And then she's doing some exercise where people are expressing emotion and I'm like really uncomfortable. And she sits and I said, look, I need to go outside. Like this is, this is too much. Like it's irritating. And she goes, well, why? Because it's uncomfortable. Like, like I, I just can't be here right now. And she's like, well, I want you to sit here. And like, let's talk about it. So yes, I was massively triggered, but we didn't say the word triggered back then because <laughs> we were too grown up and tough for all these like weak yeah. people who are saying I'm triggered. Anyway, I, you would just say, this is bullshit. Yeah. yeah. And, and she said, well, are you feeling any emotions right now? I said, yeah, I'm feeling angry because this is stupid, right? <laughs> like, 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 what the hell? And, and she said, any other feelings? I said, no, I only feel anger because that was all I really know how to feel. And then she said, okay, do you feel anything in your body? And I said, yeah, there's a weird feeling in my stomach. She goes, there's a name for that. And I said, what is it? And she said, it's fear. 
And I look her straight in the eye and I go, it can't be fear because there's nothing here for me to be afraid of. Therefore, it's not fear. And she started laughing. She goes, fear is an emotion. It doesn't have to be rational. And see, a lot of guys, especially a lot of women too, we believe the world's rational. We believe we're rational. Read smarter, not harder. Understand for a third of a second, an ancient meat operating system that is not rational is running everything that you see. And then you get to be rational and that you will believe everything it tells you. So I am simultaneously irrational because I'm a meat-based computer and I'm simultaneously rational because I have control of my own biology, because I've done my work I've removed my triggers and because I have enough energy because I got my minerals and I ate some beef already. How did you remove your triggers? Like mm. That is the reset process that I teach in the last or second to the last chapter in the book. It's from 40 years of Zen. It's based on doing neurofeedback for 25 years, combining that with teachings from doing meditation with masters and in the Andes and the Himalayas and things like that. And what it comes down to is when there is something that triggers you, it's just your body sending a notification, like an alert on your phone. It's a notification that pops up and it pops up as a feeling. And then you believe the feeling is real. And then you take action, you make up a story about it. So you feel anxiety. Well, it was your mother-in-law. Blah, and then you you know do whatever you're going to do. Maybe it wasn't your mother-in-law. Maybe it was the fact that you got triggered. And maybe it was the fact that she did something that was just like, what your mother did when you were five and it pissed you off. It, it's not rational. You probably won't even remember how you got programmed to have that notification turned on. But once you have it, you run the process that's here. And there's a state your brain can be in where you can go in and edit the operating system settings. So instead of noticing you're triggered and then deciding to be an adult, which is a good skill, more people should develop that, you could actually say, I'm going to turn off the source of the trigger so I'll never be triggered again. And when you do that, it involves mystical stuff. It involves being able to re-experience what triggered you when you're in a safe place and then going into the opposite state. It's a heart-based loving kindness state. I teach people to do it like entrepreneurs and Without people. I, yeah, I teach people to do it at 40 years of Zen, but it's five days with electrodes to your head. In the book, I do my very best to say, look, here's how to do it at home, right? Mm -hmm. What you're going to do is re-experience the thing, and then you're going to go into like this heart rate, variability, high, open-hearted thing to the point you can do something called forgiveness, which is you're going to find out that at some point in your life, someone or something wronged you and it left a mark. And what forgiveness is, is turning off your reactivity. You don't have to say that what they did was right. You don't have to tell them you forgive them. But what you're doing is you're in your body, telling your body you're safe now. And when you do that, magically the next day, someone's going to do exactly what always triggers you. And you're just going to look at them and go, that's interesting. And like drink your coffee and just go on with life because it's not there anymore in you. And I've gone through every single thing I can identify that triggers me and I've done the reset mode. It helps. I started the neuroscience company. So I glue electrodes to my head to do that. So what was your biggest trigger in life? That one that you may be you know, a little bit like guilt or shame. Around. I don't have guilt or shame over any of my triggers. Cause once, once you remove a trigger, there's no guilt or shame, yeah. right? Like that's the yeah. definition of them. But here's one that that's really common. And I see this oftentimes in women and it's a trigger around injustice. Right, so you were treated in an unjust way at some point in your life. I mean, it happens to men too. That was a big trigger for me, right? So you become highly reactive to that, right? And then you see a situation that isn't fair. Yeah, and you see a situation that's unjust, and you just lose your shit. Okay, that is not a useful response to injustice. Like screaming doesn't do anything. Complaining or maybe skipping school on Fridays and you know complaining about things instead of going and fixing them, Greta. Uh, would be uh, an inappropriate triggered response. Do you think I've triggered enough people with that comment? No, I think this is great. I think it's, <laughs> but it's really important to actually admit it. Like it's, for for women, especially like seeing another woman and like being in her like full expression, dancing, having fun is massively triggering. So if you're triggered by that, clearly you need to go do it too. Learn how to dance. But let's, let's just say that you see something that's unjust. There's two things you could do. Like, let's say you see a woman who's, who's you know, being mistreated. And smart and whatever. And yeah. Have it all. 
Mm-hmm. That's not fair. Okay, so people get triggered by that as well. They say that that's unjust. But the the bottom line is, you can be reactive, or you can you can if it's someone needs help, you can say, "Hey, I've got you." Like, let's let's go for a walk. Let's talk. Or you can go talk to the successful person, right? But to just sit there and just think mean thoughts about them when they probably aren't even thinking about you at all, it's just harming you. It's not harming the person, and that's what forgiveness is about. So within it's on the book, it is with injustice. Here's I'll, I'll tell you what my trigger was. And I had no idea that I had this as a trigger, right? So I've started Bulletproof. I'm killing it. We're doing, I don't know, probably five million in revenue or something. And then, okay, I'm going to confess something, Aggie. Oh, wow. I've never listened to a podcast. Really? Never. I've never heard one podcast. Never heard my own podcast. I've never heard any podcast. Are you serious? Yeah. Okay, I love it. <laughs> okay. Like, I make them. I don't listen. I don't have time to listen to them. <laughs> I love it. Do you listen to books or are you just... I listen to books, yeah. Okay, cool. Right. I was just thinking you just like in denial. And, and I, I'm just going to say something. So I think I have a killer podcast, like 300 million downloads, lots of writings and all that stuff. But it took me 2,000 hours to write Smarter Not Harder and I read the whole thing for you. So you could download the audiobook for Smarter Not Harder and you're going to get 2,000 hours of structured thinking read to you. Or you could listen to my show or your show for an hour and you're going to get probably stuff I haven't said before. I've said, I've told you a few things, but the density of information isn't going to be there. Mm-hmm. So I'm just lazy. So that's why I do audiobooks. And that was actually my thing because I started putting together my favorite information about biohacking and spirituality into my book. And I was like, it's almost like everything I ever learned in yeah. one place that almost feels unfair. I'm like, what am I doing for $29? Like, this well, just- Oh, it's the best deal ever to get audiobooks. Yeah. Everyone needs to download your audiobook if they like your show yeah. because they're going to get like the distilled, structured... It's so much work to put it all together. Enormous. Like, it's so much work. So I usually, like, I'm going to honor the work and I'll pay the 29 bucks. But so... Back to the being triggered thing. Yeah. <laughs> so a guy reaches out who's like an Uber fan and it's like, Dave, I, I'm going to get you on this podcast in LA. I'm like, okay, like I'll come down there. I, um, when I was starting the company, I would just pretty much anytime I get a chance to talk about Bulletproof and biohacking, I would do that. And it's this guy. No, you don't. So we feel super honored that you're here. I do. I'm still on a lot of shows. I, I do my best. To, I'm, I'm like the leader of the movement. It's my job to talk about it. So for a second, I felt special. I was like, oh, he you are it. special. I, I do say no to a lot of podcasts because there's so many of them, right? Yeah. So there was this guy, uh, you might've heard of him. Um, his name's Joe Rogan. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. So I, I truly didn't know who he was. So I went on his, uh, I went on a show and like blew his mind and, and he's like, oh my God, super ADHD. And he started drinking Bulletproof coffee and just raved about like all the grass fed stuff I taught him and all that. And like hundreds and hundreds of times, even when I wasn't in the studio, just like Dave Asprey, you know, Bulletproof this. And I was so grateful. And then I came back on the show, but his buddy and another company he's invested in decided that they were going to try and copy. One of them tried to steal the Bulletproof name. The other one was try to copy my products. And he had mm-hmm. financial interests. So all of a sudden overnight, Joe's like, Dave's a liar. Dave's a bad man. And I, there's nothing I've ever seen on a show that's bad. So I'm on Rogan three times. And for no reason whatsoever, suddenly he just sends like a whole bunch of angry trolls after my social media and just accuses me of random baseless stuff that's like nothing. And instead of looking at this as I would now, because I didn't know that I had a trigger around injustice. And that's what that was. I did the right thing and I'm just like getting kicked in the teeth for it. At least that's what it's it It's almost like it feels like someone went behind your back and stabbed you, right? Oh, yeah. Just yeah like, it was a betrayal kind of thing. Yeah. So, I would, you know. Mind. That in betrayal and injustice are really big triggers yeah. for humans because I mean it's killed us many times if you think about either past lives or just the history of our species. Like mm-hmm. these are these are yeah. big things. So I'm working on this and I'm doing the reset mode from the book on it. And all of a sudden, this thing I hadn't thought about in years uh, comes to mind. In first grade, uh, I one one kid did something bad and uh, and I told the teacher about it. And then the teacher says, "You know, little Johnny, is that true?" And he goes, no, I didn't do it. Dave did it. And then I got sent to the principal's office for doing the right thing. And I was like, so outraged. Dude, I'm not a grown ass man. I, I didn't remember this at all, but it just popped into my head. So I'm like, that's weird. So I ran the reset mode on that. And the second I did that, that was what was turning on my notification. That's why it was so triggering when Joe Rogan was doing that stuff. Because the reality was every time he said I was a bad man, I sold more coffee. It was good for me, <laughs> right? And then when he went to Spotify, he deleted all three of my episodes to hide what he did. No way. It was financially dirty. Yeah. It's all good though. Yeah. I would feel massively triggered. And that's the beauty of it. It's like you will always be in those situations and 
you know, you can, you can feel like, okay, if I'm a good person, I'll never have anything shitty happen to me like that. But oh, people well, have different motives, right? We have all these false beliefs. If I work hard, I'll get results. I if I'm a good person, that. I'll never get a hater in my life. Yeah. Or, it, if I'm nice to people, they'll be nice back. No. The way no. the world works is, uh, it's based on game theory. And if you come into a situation playing win-win, then if the other person responds win-win and you, you guys keep doing that, then that makes the world a better place. But if you come in win-win and they respond with something that makes you lose, if you're a good person, you'll say, maybe they didn't understand the game and you'll do something again to make them win. And then they'll do something to make you lose again. And then you'll get more and more frustrated and triggered because you keep doing what good people do because you thought everyone was a good person. It sounds like a lot of relationships between men and women. It goes both ways. Yeah, no, no, of course. It, but it's, what, I, what I'm describing is actually narcissism because a narcissist will tell you that they're playing the win-win game and they're making you lose the whole time. Yeah. And because you, you're going to believe it, if you're a good person, you're going to believe that. So I'm working on a book about narcissism. And uh, I don't know, maybe I'll use you Rogan as a case study. <laughs> no, because I was going to ask you, actually, what, what do you feel like super passionate about? Like, because you right. wrote the book, you got the supplements out. Like, what else oh. can you possibly work on? Here's like, the big thing. Um, upgrade Labs. So this is my biohacking center. We're opening these across the country. Because you had in Santa Monica. And to be fair, I have a video from Upgrade Labs from 2018 or 19. I don't remember. But it's been a while. It's been at least five years when I did the five-minute machine mm -hmm. and the cryo and the panth mat and the floating tank. I was like one of your first customers. Thanks. I lived like right down the street. But it's super cool because the whole concept is amazing. It's basically like a gym and a spa and a biohacking center all in one. And, it, and it's also that... If you give me an hour, uh, and I tell you how to do all the stuff at home as best you can, but we can upgrade your brain. We can make you more resilient to stress. We can give you better cardio, give you muscles, and give you more energy. And if you go to a normal gym, you might get a tiny fraction of one of those things in the same amount of time. And people today spend 400 million a year on ghost gym memberships, where they pay for it, they never go. So. I can solve that problem. So your people are going to do it and we'll give them neurofeedback in, well, it's not a gym anymore. It's a biohacking center. We call it a human upgrade center, but go to own and upgrade labs.com and you can open one in your neighborhood. Like this. So if you're into biohacking and you feel like, cool, I want to make the world a better place. I want people to see the results. I want to be the cutting edge. Biohacking is becoming such a buzzword. One of the big reasons why I was like, okay, biohacking bestie. Cause I know that biohacking great, great name, by the way. Um, and so I was like, if you want to like be the first one in your community to introduce them into biohacking, I think this is like a great business opportunity. I think it is too. And I, I did this for a couple of reasons. I wanted to be able to scale this very quickly. And I think this is a, a kind of a fundamental human right to have control over your own biology. We have a lot of uh, very damaged or dysfunctional people in our government right now who did great harm to society over the last three years for no real benefit. And right now people are tired for the first time ever. They're asking for stress management more than weight loss. Mm. And we can do all of that with technology in yeah. very small amounts of time. I'm going to give you your life back when you come into Upgrade Labs. And then when you do that, the next time someone comes along and tells you something incredibly stupid, you'll have enough energy to look at that and, and say, no, thank you. Amazing. Well, I think that's a great way to finish today's interview. Dave, um, again, thank you so much for everything that you do and taking the time to talk. And I, I can imagine it's a little boring when you talk about the same thing for the last 10 years every single day and spreading the word, but it makes a massive difference. You're, you're so welcome. I think I told you like five things I haven't said before. Oh, really? Good. Yeah. Plus, like, I, I like doing this. I, I, I get to help a lot of people. So yeah. thanks for showing up the way you do for your audience so they can see mm -hmm. it's possible to do what you're doing. Everyone can do this. Can, yes. Suddenly, oh, I have the mind and the energy and the body that I wanted, maybe in that order where the yeah. mind and then the energy and then the body happen. And once you do that, you can change your life rapidly. So congrats on all the stuff you've done for yourself. Thank it's you. amazing. Thank you so much. I think the biggest goal is to actually make people feel like themselves again, right? And that's 
why we're here. And that's why why this Bosca is, is make sure you check out the book, uh, check out Dave on Instagram, give the supplements, check out Upgrade Labs. Did you think we actually finished? Well, we did not. Aggie, are you going to come to my biohacking conference in June in Orlando? You did invite me, I would say, but yeah, of course, it's like everyone I speak to uh, in the biohacking world, they're like, yeah, this is the place to be. Awesome. So. It's biohackingconference.com. And so what, if you can give audit, like my audience a little bit about background, because you can come and you don't have to be. 4,000 people is the plan for this year. And it is more than a hundred vendors of all this stuff that lets you have control of your own biology. So all the things like cold tubs, uh, things like flotation tanks, all the, the things you've heard about, you've seen, why don't you talk to the person who invented it? Why don't you get to touch it and feel it? And then hear talks from me and other just luminaries in the field. And we have parties every single night. Like it's so fun. So it's- Ooh, I didn't know about the parties. Oh, yeah. Now I'm definitely coming. Like fun, you know, DJs, everything like that. The idea here is, is you get to spend three days in a community of people who are upgrading themselves continuously and everyone's nice. It's so fun. Biohackingconference.com. Awesome. So I'll be there and I would love to see you there too. And I'll see you on the next one. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Aggie.